What a wonderful song, and I always enjoy hearing uh, Brother Swartz sing. Mark your Bibles for Luke chapter 13. We'll come back to our text passage in just a moment. I want to preach uh, this morning on the subject, the context of life. The context of life. I believe the truth uh, this morning uh, is of great importance. I believe it will help every person, no matter our age, uh, no matter the circumstances of our own particular lives uh, right now. And may the Lord uh, help us as we listen. Uh, let's pray before I preach. Heavenly Father, I pause to pray because I need you so much as I preach. I depend upon you. Uh, Lord, as I've studied and prepared and actually uh, thought for two weeks about the truth of the message this morning, and I pray that our attention would be given on purpose I pray, Lord, that every teenager and child and every adult alike, Lord, will listen because there are so many things that happen in life, Lord, that we have a hard time understanding. We have a hard time comprehending as to why they happen. And, Lord, I believe the message can help us in all of that this morning. Bless, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. To understand anything in life, we have to understand it in the context of life. Uh, to understand uh, science, you have to understand its context. To understand medicine, you understand its uh, context. Uh, we, we, we often respond to particular circumstances of life rather than the context or the surroundings around that. For example, it, it, it makes no sense to a child uh, to eat healthy. It, it just didn't make any sense. I mean, why would you eat broccoli instead of chocolate pie? That, that's just ridiculous to an eight-year-old child and a 57-year-old man. That's just ridiculous to me. Uh, and, and one boy prayed as he was asked to pray before the meal, and he thanked the Lord for the food, but he said, Lord, I don't understand why you put so many good things in broccoli uh, rather than ice cream. And uh, uh, it just makes no sense, and they have to learn the context of health and life to understand why eating healthy uh, is important. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to an eight-year-old boy why he should go to school. Uh, it just doesn't. He'd rather play. He gets excited about a day off or a week off, and, and uh, folks talk about uh, maybe having to close school. The boys get all excited about that. They don't want to go to school anyway. And uh, they have to understand it in the context of life. Uh, they, they have to understand it in the context of life, the importance of getting uh, an education. We have to teach our children uh, the importance of that. It, it, it makes no sense to a child while they, why they shouldn't take something that is before them. It be a cookie or a money. It doesn't make any sense to Congress either why they shouldn't take it. Uh, but, but, but it doesn't make any sense. And they have to learn honesty in the context why they need to be honest with others so others will be honest with them. And they live, need to live in a world of honesty and character and living by principle. And, and, and a lot of things we don't understand in life until we understand the context. Uh, when trying to help someone understand another person's feelings or even their actions, uh, we'll make the statement, uh, you ought to put yourself in their shoes. What are we saying? You need to understand their context of life. You need to understand 
uh, their surroundings uh, of life. Um, anytime Jesus was asked a question, Jesus would answer the question with a question. It's interesting. Read all of the conversations when they ask Jesus a question. And you'll find this every time he not only asked them a question, uh, he not only answered their question, he answered it with a question for the purpose of putting the subject in the context of life. For example, in Luke chapter 12, the chapter before this, a man came to Jesus and he said, We've received an inheritance from our parents, but my brother kept it all. Make my brother divide the inheritance with me. That just makes sense that uh, an inheritance would be equally, equally divided between two brothers. He saw Jesus as a just man. He saw Jesus as someone that would always do right. And so he said to him, make my brother divide the inheritance. But then Jesus asked him a question. And he went on to tell him, he said, you have to beware of covetousness. And he said, life is more than what you have. In fact, life is not about how much you have or what you have, but life is living in the will of God and understanding the purpose of God. And what he was doing, he was telling the young man, rather than focus on this one thing, take a step back and look at the whole context of life. And he was telling him, if you're not careful, you'll let covetousness of what you didn't get keep you from enjoying what you already have. Context makes a difference, doesn't it? One of my favorite jokes is a story of context. A police officer comes up on an automobile that has wrecked. And all four passengers, man, woman, two children, they're knocked unconscious. And yet there's a monkey in the car. So the police officer tries to decide do I try to communicate with this monkey and figure out what happened? And so the police officer said to the monkey, did you see the wreck? And the monkey nodded his head up and down, you know. And he said, what was the little boy and girl doing during the wreck? And he said, they were fighting. The monkey laughed and, and uh, shook his head up and down. He said, what was the dad uh, doing? The dad was drinking. Monkey said, yes. So he's getting a clue as to what happened in this accident. He said, what was the wife doing uh, during the wreck? And the monkey said, yip, 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 I'm just telling you what the monkey said. I'm just being honest. That's all I'm doing. He said, was she talking? Monkey said, yes. He said to the monkey, what were you doing? He said, he was driving. That put it into perspective. You see, if we don't understand perspective, if we don't understand context, sometimes we misunderstand a behavior. Husband comes home from work, and uh, the wife is ready to kill the children. How many of you men have experienced that? Wife is ready to kill them. First thing she says is, you've got to do something with these kids. And you say, oh, come on, what's wrong? Have a little patience. You don't realize you've been there all day long having patience. And, you, and you, you spend the next 30 minutes learning the context of the day. 
Jesus' teaching and preaching always put life in context. Always. Go to chapter 13. Let me tell you one other story, and then we'll look at 13. When Jesus came, Jesus came to the world to die for our sins. But when he came, there were those who said, we want you to establish your kingdom now. We don't like the Roman government. We want you to overthrow the Roman government. Jesus said, I didn't come to overthrow the Roman government. I didn't come to set you free from them. I came to set you free from something greater, and that is your sin. They basically said, we don't want to be set free from our sin. We want to be set free from the Roman government. And so that crowd, they said, crucify Jesus and let Barabbas go. Why would you let a murderer, why would you let a thief go? Because Barabbas had led in an insurrection to overthrow the Roman government and they said, we'll take him because he will help us now. Jesus wants to help us for eternity. We don't want help for eternity, we want help now. But when you step back and look at the context and you look at that generation of people, we say, you were crazy. Why would you do that? Why would you not accept Jesus? Because we see the context they saw the circumstance. So when we come to chapter 13, they were present at that season that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. You talk about putting life into context. They were looking at one incident. I'll tell you about it. The, the, the coming of Tiberius to the throne of the empire it, it had changed the political climate in Palestine. The mild rule of Augustus, Caesar Augustus, gave way to the uh, harshness and merciless behavior and reign of the uh, vile Tiberius. The emperor hated the Jews and he hated everything about the Jews. And then came Pontius Pilate. He was worse than his predecessor, and his rule was also marked by violence and robbery and bribery and persecution and hate-filled insults to the Jewish uh, behaviors and their, uh, their religious behavior. The actual event that he's talking about here in these first two verses occurred at one of the national feasts. The Jews had come in for one of the national feasts and they were at the brazen altar and they were making sacrifice to God. And here comes the ruler and he kills these people who basically in our day we would say they were in church. And they're killed and their blood is mingled with the blood of the sacrifices that they had made. And so the popular opinion was this is proof that these people 
that did this, they were, they were uh, 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 secret sinners and they were vile and God had revealed them openly and that's why they were killed. And in addition, uh, they were Galileans. And so they asked Jesus what he thought about this and thinking that he would agree with popular opinion uh, that they died at the altar because God was really uh, taking their life because they were living in sin that nobody knew about. But Jesus responds with a question. He said, Suppose ye that these were sinners above all Galileans because they suffered these things? He's asking them the question. And then he said, I tell you nay, but except ye repent you shall all likewise perish. What was he saying? He was saying all are sinners and all are condemned to death. The same as what happened to these murdered by Pontius Pilate would eventually happen to them. And he went on to tell them another story similar and he reminds them of the story of the 18 men. Are you with me this morning? Are you with me? Of the 18 men that were killed, they were building this waterway, this aqueduct that would connect uh, the uh, uh, that, that that would connect uh, Siloam uh, to the pool of Siloam, and this wall fell and it killed 18 of them. He said, "Do you think they were worse sinners too?" And then he concluded with the same statement, "Nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish." What Jesus was telling them is that all have sinned and death is coming to all. But nobody thinks about that. Nobody wants to think about that. And somehow if we can ignore it, we think we're never going to die. And when death is talked about, that's why they can take, and I'm not... I'm not making light and, uh, of the reality of COVID and the virus, but you know as well as I do that they have exaggerated that to the place they've caused fear in the hearts of everyone and folks are acting as if nobody died at all until this happened. You know why? Because we don't like to think about death. We don't, think, we don't like to think about that we're sinners too. Why, it's easy to talk about those folks. Now, they're really bad sinners. We don't like to think about us. Well, look at us. We're in church on Sunday morning. Just like these folks that were making sacrifice to God. And uh, they died. And, and we don't like to think of the fact. But you know what God did? The Lord Jesus put everything into perspective. And he said, they're no worse sinners than you are. I'd say they thought, I wish we'd have stayed home today. Or I wish you hadn't asked that dumb question. That was the dumbest question I ever heard you ask. The whole Bible is given to us to put life into perspective. If we're not careful, we create a God. We make a God to be what we want him to be. And when he doesn't act like we want him to act, we get mad at God. We get angry at God when things don't go our way. And when things go our way, we say, Boy, the Lord is good. He really blessed us today. Some, sometimes we create a God that's not the God of the Bible. Let me see if I can take a few principles and a few foundational truths 
and help us to put life into perspective. First of all, we need to understand that God is the creator of the world. If you'll take your Bibles and go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, I want you to look at verse number 16. Now, folks who think there's a God but there's no creation, that they just evolved from lower animal life, they don't understand God at all. They think of God as nothing more than a vending machine. They put in a 75-cent prayer and they expect the answer. They don't get what they want. They're mad at God, but he's not a vending machine that we give a 75-cent prayer to. First of all, he's the creator of the world. Look at verse number 16, Colossians chapter 1. For by him are all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be uh, thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. And then notice this, all things were created by him. And all of God's people say amen. But then the next three words are often overlooked where it says not only created by him, the Bible says then and for him. So God didn't make me for me. God made me for him. I belong to him by creation. Now if something's yours, you treat it different than you do anything else because it belongs to you. You take possession. You take uh, responsibility and protection. It's different because it's yours. And the Bible says God made all things and all things for him. Look at verse number 17. And he is before all things, uh, and, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Can we not agree this morning that if God did not give us breath to breathe, we'd all die right now? And some folks think they're just mad at God all the time. Why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? Why'd you allow this to happen? Well, rather than saying, Lord, thank you for another day of life. Thank you for all the days of blessings. Thank you for the sunshine and the rain. And thank you for all that you do. We always look at the things that make us uncomfortable. We blame those on God. And we forget this very foundational truth that all things were made by him and all things were made for him. And then the Bible says all things consist because of him. Look at verse number 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning and the firstborn from the uh, dead, and that in all things he might have the preeminence. Preeminence means first place. That means everything I do, I'm supposed to please God in all that I do. Now, if we put ourselves in the place that we say, I'm supposed to live and everything I do, I'm supposed to please God. We've got that thing turned around as if God, everything he does, is supposed to please us. That very foundational truth is missing in our society today. That's why many folks are angry at God and mad at God and, 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 and trying to fight against God because they miss that very truth. Some may say, well, that doesn't make me happy to think that I'm just supposed to serve God. How does anybody supposed to be happy with that? Try it. You praise your creator and you serve your creator and you watch him bless you. He told the nation of Israel, if you'll worship me, if you'll put me first, I'll make you a priestly nation. I'll make you a nation that all the nations of the world will be blessed. And they were. 
They, though they were small in size, though they were little, all of the world was blessed because of the coming of the Messiah came through the nation of Israel. The word of God came to the nation of Israel. You know why? God said, I'll bless those that worship me. If you'll fulfill your purpose. We have to understand that foundational purpose or, or principle of life to put life into context. I want to say next Satan came into the garden to deceive man. He lied to Eve. He told Eve, God lied to you. If you eat of that tree, you won't die. It will make you equal with God. You know what Eve did? She believed. You know what Adam did? He took of the fruit God said not to take of. Now, wait a minute. God told him you can have everything in the garden except the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch that. He said, if you eat that, you're going to die. That's what God told them. How can we get angry at God? God's the one that gave us every blessing of life. Satan comes into the garden and he deceives and he, and he lies and Adam sins. And dear friend, Adam's sin brought death into the world. How could we ever get angry at God? Sin and Satan are what brought the difficulties. Take your Bibles. Let me show you what God says. Genesis chapter 3. Go to Genesis chapter 3, very first book of the Bible, and go to verse number 14. Go to verse number 14, and let's look at these words here of what God says. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. That's a fatal blow. And thou shalt bruise his heel. That's a temporary blow. Verse number 16. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Behold, thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded uh, thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. Nobody ever planted a thorn or a thistle. Those come out of the ground all by themselves. The ground is cursed because of sin. Look what he says in verse 19. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art and dust shalt thou return. God gave a curse because of sin. We have to understand this morning, sin brought pain and Satan brought sorrow and Satan brought suffering and thorns and tears and heartaches and separation and hatred and rebellion and eternal death. Sin did that. Satan did that. You know what God said? God said, I don't want to be separated from man. And he had, he had made a plan before the foundation of the world to redeem man back to him. Sin had separated man from God. This is a foundational truth 
This used to be taught in our schools. You can go to the Philippines today. They will invite you to teach this Bible. And God is blessing that country of islands. God's blessing them because they're seeking the Lord. You know what they're telling us today? You can come to the shelter to help people, but you can't preach. You can't bring the Bible. You know, there are places we're going to, and I, I, I don't want to be misunderstood. There are places we plan to go to this week and help folks in the shelter. But they said, we don't want Christians giving the gospel. Let me ask you a question. What damage would the gospel do if we told the whole world? What damage would it do? I could tell you a long list of damage that video games and the rap music is doing to our children. But why? Because of Satan's work of deception. God said, I don't want man to be separated from me. And the whole story of Christmas is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his son that we could be redeemed to him. Well, we understand there is a judgment coming on the sins of the world. This old world is going to be destroyed. The Antichrist is preparing even now, folks. They're talking about this global warming. Peter talks about global warming. Peter said the elements are going to melt with fervent heat. You understand the oxygen that we breathe? It's not pure oxygen. It is a mixture, combination of safe oxygen. If you put a person, and there's some of you perhaps that you use oxygen at night or at home, you can't let fire get around that oxygen, and it's not very much different than the oxygen that we breathe. It's just pure. Can I tell you, God can change the chemical makeup, and this world is going to melt with fervent heat. We have to put life into perspective and understand judgment is coming on this earth. Those that know Christ as Savior, when the trumpet sounds, or if death comes before the sounding of the trumpet, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Folks say to me, preacher, how can you stay positive all the time? Because I keep life in perspective. I think of a preacher friend of mine, he's in heaven now. It was a funny story. He was on an elevator, John Rice. And he's going to preach a meeting. He gets on the elevator at a motel to go to the church to preach. A guy takes a gun out, sticks it in his stomach. And he says, give me your money or I'll blow your brains out. <laughs> Doctor, I said two things. He said, my, my brains aren't, aren't there. But then he said, you can't threaten me with heaven. Hey, folks, the worst thing that can happen to a child of God is to die and go to heaven. That puts life into perspective. This whole world is going to be destroyed. And it's our job to tell the world, if you don't know Christ as Savior, God gave his son that you can have eternal life. If you want to get mad at somebody, if you want to get mad at something, get mad at the devil. He's the one that brought sin into the world. He's the one that brought deception into the world. Because of him, we have wars and fightings and hatred and dishonesty and stealing and all of those things. It came from Satan. God is the giver of his son and eternal life. Take your Bibles and go to Revelation chapter 21. I'm about to run out of time before I am sermon. I hate that feeling. Revelation 21. 
hold your place. Go back to Romans 8. I have to show you this. This puts life into perspective. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse number 20. Romans 8, 20. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. I'll explain that in just a moment. Hold on. Verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. We wait for the return of Christ. Now, folks, the Antichrist is going to promise peace to the world. He's going to bring those nations together. He's going to talk about all these divisions. I'm going to bring peace to the world. When Jesus comes in the millennial reign, he'll show what peace is. You know what he's going to do? Revelation chapter 8 is fulfilled in the, in the book of Revelation. Jesus is going to say to the lion, come here. He's going to say to the lamb, come here. The lion and the lamb are going to lie down together. The Antichrist is going to give a false peace. Jesus is going to say, I'll show you what real peace is. The nature will be changed into peace in the coming kingdom of God. Look what God's going to do for us in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. The only thing I can think of right now, boy, it must cost him a lot. That's expensive. Back to verse number 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Look at verse number 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. You know why there are tears here? The curse of sin. There are going to be more tears. But in heaven, he's going to wipe all tears from our eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. We're going to face sickness. We're going to face death. There are folks this morning who have broken hearts. Folks I've prayed with, folks I've cried with this week. Burdens and difficulties. We fight this old flesh of ours because this flesh desires things that are destructive even of our own flesh. And we're confused even at the behavior of our own flesh. Why does it behave that way? Because of the curse of sin, the nature of sin. Ah, but one day I'm going to have a new body. I'm going to have a body like unto Christ. I won't fail him then. I won't fall then. You see, dear friend, if you're not careful, we'll be caught up in the circumstance of what's going on right now. When you read the Bible, God said, wait a minute. Let's put all this in perspective. God said, I have a will for you to live. Live in my will in this life. We have eternal life to come. 
I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but dear friend, I want to tell you something. This old book helps me to understand. And the things I don't understand, I trust him with. Let me make these statements and I'm finished. Number one, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us. We may compare one another and say he's a worse sinner than him and he's a worse sinner than her, but the truth is all have sinned and come short of the glory, the perfect glory of God. Second of all, the wages of sin is death. Every man's going to die. They may say, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in the Bible, but they're going to die. Death comes to everybody. Third of all, Jesus came to set us free from sin and its bondage. I've been set free. I'm not going to have eternal life. I have eternal life. I have Christ living in me. I have that hope of eternity that already dwells inside me. He came to set us free from sin and bondage and salvation is free by grace through faith in Christ. That puts life into perspective. Stand with me if you will. I encourage you. That when you come to circumstances of life that you don't understand, that you step back and say, Lord, help me to see the context. Help me to put this into perspective into your will. I'm glad I serve a God that's a sovereign God that's in control of all things. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us today to not be angry or upset at you and circumstances Lord, may we step back and look at the perspectives of life, the context of life. I pray for those this morning that are hurting because of difficulty and even tragedy that's come to their life. And Lord, may we all look at life in the context that we're all sinners in need of a Savior. And thank you, Lord, that salvation is free to those that will accept you and your payment for our sin. And if there are those here today that do not know you as Savior, I pray that this very day would be the day that they would place their faith and trust in you. That's their invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.